0: Welcome back to Mob Talk with Talia Little. Today I am recording here from Wurundjeri country, so that is my new country in which, guys, I just moved to Fitzroy, so it's very exciting. And Lily, what country are you coming from? I'm calm. I'm on the Ngunnawal and Nambri lands of Canberra, ACT yeah and so we just pay our respects to all elders past present and all aboriginal people listening to this podcast and yeah so it's a very exciting day today we have got lily lily what is your last name island like the country i I have been calling you town i've been using a wrong last name for you this whole time i was like i'm interviewing lily townsend and i'm like that does not sound right. Like that
1: is not Lily's name. I kind of like Townsend though. I could pick that we'll up. No, it. It's my Instagram name is different because I had a crazy client once that said she was going to stalk me. So I changed
0: it. Oh, well, everyone <laughs> don't stalk Lily, please. She's yeah.
1: just
0: um, so We'll just get started. Just tell me a little, we'll tell the viewers. I, I do know you from a certain course and we'll speak about that later, but what, tell me a bit about yourself. Who are you? Where are you from and what are you up to?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, my name's Lily. I grew up in on oh, my own country, Malacaty country in Litruita, so Tassie. Um, so I'm a Palo woman, um, grew up there with my family and then did a school there and everything and then moved up to Canberra for uni and I've been here for like six years now so I am doing a degree in law and science um and I'm just about to finish which is very exciting um and yeah that's mostly my story. Law and science like yeah yeah, like how did you
0: how did you mix those together like what interests you about them?
1: Well I think I always my passion is really to protect country. Um, and so I wanted to be able to, use, I was never really interested in law, but I wanted to be able to use it to use a tool for us. So I wanted to be able to do kind of environmental law, but I like the science side as well, um, and wanted to mix them both. So I had the science background and could have the law background to kind of use it to protect country. But I'm not sure where the next few steps are to do that, but that was the plan and what I um, enrolled for.
0: Yeah. And six
1: years, like, are you excited to finish it or are you yeah. going I'm super excited to finish. And I've been, it's meant to be a five-year degree and it's six years because I've been working full-time the last year. So I've extended a little bit by finishing July and I'm very excited. Very wow. Cool. So do you have other exams that you have to do before you finish? One more exam, one more essay for the course and then done. Yeah. That is so
0: exciting. You must just be so proud of yourself to have completed that.
1: Oh, it's oh, I think I'll feel proud when I'm done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so walk me through like what's the day of a life, day in the life, we'll say, of a law student, more well, particularly you.
1: Yeah. So I kind of when I wasn't working, it'd kind of be heading into uni, meeting up. Normally there's a lecture in the morning, watching that this was like pre-COVID obviously watching lectures in first and post-COVID um watching lecture and then kind of meeting up with friends studying on campus um and then yeah maybe getting some exercise in there and heading home doing a lot of study really it's just (laughs) (laughs) just very monotonous study study. Yeah, yeah yeah do you feel like you've learned a lot I do I feel like it's um, some things I would get worried about because I'm like, I've done all these courses, but I've just forgotten all of them. But mm-hmm. I think it's more that like it's really changed how my brain thinks. Like I'm more like structured with how I think about things and more critical with with some things that um, I just would have accepted before. It's really like I'm really impressed with the way my brain works now after six years mm-hmm. of like doing this. <laughs> and kind of yet yeah, it's structured and made my brain more analytical, I think.
0: Yeah. So what do you mean when you think more critically? Like
1: what would you think critically about? Yeah. Well, it's kind of just like, I guess it comes from both the science side where like one article comes out and they're like the news claims they've just discovered this and then you, but that's only one piece of the entire story. So stuff like that. But also just like with law, you see like things that sound really good or like, oh, there's this law or things that sound really good on paper. But then once you're working in that area, you're like, that's not at all and I think you get that a lot from work experience as well but I'm um, critical in the way that it's just made me be a lot more aware of a broad range of things so I've been able to be more critical and kind of understand how in law at least how the things that are underpinning that work um, so I think yeah in that way.
0: No it's really funny when I was with you guys on that course I actually realised. I think Asmi said something. Yeah. Um, what is Asmi's role firstly? Like is he the
1: like what is he, he he's a professor, so he's an academic at ANU and then he does a bit of lecturing for law courses. Um, and then he's also works at the Tabal Center which is the um Indigenous Center at ANU. So he like supports Indigenous students. So he's just kind of like a big dog all around.
0: <laughs> he's just, like the smartest person though talking oh, to he's so so, smart. He's you done you been listening to him for ages. So if anyone doesn't know um what I'm actually talking right now, talking about right now, Lily and I, well Lily went on a course um, between Australian National University and Um, NAJA, which is the legal service in in Bantua, Alice Springs. And um, basically it's called Deep Listening Through, no, True Justice, Deep Listening Through Indigenous Perspectives. Um, And how would you describe the
1: course, Lily? um oh, I think the word used before was good it was transformative but it was basically like the logistics of it was a bunch of ANU students went up to Mbantua and we had a couple of days there a couple of days in Tempe Downs and a couple of days at Uluru and it was kind of just we heard from lots of different people with lots of cultural authority and experience in the justice area but I'd say it was mostly just deep listening like you're just sitting on the ground on country just hearing people's stories about how the colonial justice system works and how um and there's another side of law and another side of experience so yeah yeah really cool.
0: absolutely. yeah it was a really cool experience and for anyone that doesn't know what I was actually doing there because I don't go to ANU um I was just kind of documenting the experience and um the stories and whatnot but what I was saying is that Asmi made a really good point that law is used in our everyday lives but we most people don't actually know about it like we don't know what our rights are like we don't know you know like most things about it and it's Mm. it's really confronting to think about that basically the australian system runs on this law system that like i didn't i don't really know much about most people don't like yeah almost
1: like it should be compulsory do you know what i mean yeah absolutely it's really yeah i think that's what i kind of was getting towards when i said like it's been really good for my picking up how my brain works because you just are aware it impacts people every day but you're kind of taught it only impacts you if you do something wrong um yeah. but yeah so yeah it's for really sure really empowering to know about
0: so when you're talking about caring for country and, you know, your science degree, how are you planning to put this to work? If you know, you yeah. don't have to know. <laughs>
1: well, the big answer is I don't know. And I am, I'm working at the ACT Supreme Court now. And so I've kind of and I've worked a bit at Aboriginal Legal Service. Um, and I started with this big passion to, you know, go out and protect country, but really just seen how the justice system works and especially like working at the aboriginal legal service how it works so unfairly on mob has and just like i really believe that the justice system is continuing uh genocide on our people and just with the amount of people in custody the um the harm it does to people the abuse of police powers like it's really distracted me from my love of protecting country but i do think those people related because if you Sorry, I do think those things relate because if you've got, you know, First Nations people um, not stuck in the justice system, you've got more people out there that know how to care for country. And so I think they're kind of interrelated. But right now I'm kind of focused more on um, getting experience in this like kind of colonial system and trying to lean toward like find my way here of how I can help. Our people in this system. But yeah, that's where I'm at right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Spending a week with you guys, it just made me realize, and with our people or my people from the desert, you know, having um you guys who are really educated in um, you know, the legal sector now. And then you've got people on the ground telling you about what's going on and how these laws are affecting them. It was just really eye-opening mm-hmm. to see like yeah. how. How oh, well Lydia actually said this really good thing about like the system isn't broken. Like yeah. this is the way the system was made to have yeah. the effects on people. And like it's just awful to see. Yeah, absolutely. This is all the, not broken. Having, yeah.
1: All yeah, the happening, not having. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was really cool to go. I think it was really special to have be able to go on that course with um some other mob, but also go on it with like white people, and they they a couple of them said to me that like seeing how people have these experiences with the law has really like started a fire in me of wanting to stop this, like it really invokes some passion. They just didn't know about it before. And it was really interesting to me is like people just don't know the impact it has on like Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. and it was really cool to be able to see that shift in them and that they've always they're caring people about like to be able to have that fire started to like do something.
0: Mm. I heard a lot of, um, you know, the white people, the people that weren't Aboriginal, they're saying like this course needs to be compulsory for people Mm -hmm. because like if it's compulsory, it means that real change is going to start from a ground level, like not trying to, you know, because there's certain things that we can't change. Like I'm not can't change, but unlikely that really high people up in Parliament. Are we going to change their minds? I don't know. You know, they're very set in their ways. They don't want to learn and whatnot. But if we get the people from younger generations who are a bit more open-minded, you know, who are open to learning, I feel like that's the way in and, like, that's how we're going to change things. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. Building the next generation up with that knowledge. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because they're going to be the future leaders one day. So it's good to have them as Alan. <laughs> You're going to be the future leader. <laughs> hey
0: you never know you could be prime minister one day
1: who knows no I'd cry too much I'd be too yeah. angry I wouldn't <laughs> frustrated I,
0: don't. I just like I am the really eye-opening thing was for me as well is just sitting there and listening to all of our old people and going how are they not like how are they talking to us once again about this mm, like I know yeah I get angry. I like read about the white Australia policy. I was watching a video before I spoke to you and it was like ABC 1962 interviewing white Australia, uh, interviewing Australians about the white Australia policy. And it's this guy, it's in black and white. He's just interviewing all these people on the street. And I'm like, this makes me so angry. Like, um, you feel angry and you feel like you can't, like, do yeah. any, you just want to help and you've got these elders over here just being willing to teach people
1: over and over and over yeah, again. Over again, Yeah. Like, it's it's not a new fight. It's a fight. And it's, like, not like we have to, like, think about new solutions. We've had the solutions for so long. And we've had, like, leaders that have been there for so long that just, like, haven't been listened to properly by the majority. And it's, like, yeah, so frustrating and so impressive. Like, you just see, like... You know, yeah, exactly what you said. All oh, people just sitting down willing to share so generous again after they've been like burned and hurt so much. It's really amazing. I think it just like the, that whole trip and just like, you know, talking to mom in general, you just see how strong they are and like how kind and caring. It's amazing.
0: And people don't generally see that. Like, I I hope people are starting to see it now, but you know, it's often, I had a conversation with someone the other day about the intervention that just the conversation went quite wrong. And, you know, they kind of put forward their views of, you know, well, they thought when they were younger, well, it wasn't their fault that, you know, Aboriginal men were raping and abusing their women. And I said, well, that's like, that's one side of this whole argument that you've just been portrayed, like that's been portrayed in the media for like Aboriginal people have been portrayed like that. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that that actually happened, you know, and then if you actually go into it and study it and start to question why you believe these things, then you start finding the truth. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of scary. Like when you start thinking about what is actually real and what's not in this country. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It is. That's so true. Yeah. And I think that's a because we hear in the media side or stuff you hear about like issues and it's or like everywhere like that like Aboriginal people um are re- their stories really told with this deficit-based narrative and I think that's where the government's like oh we could not got to fix things rather than like you know come to us and like talk about what they can do to help us not what they can do to try and like fix our problems um and I think that like on the trip so many of the other students that like hadn't seen the strength there—it's just like you see it every time you meet someone. You're like, "We're strong people." So I always still we fighting after so long, and it's really nice when, like, I think that yeah, that we've got to move away from deficit-based narratives to like, you know, how strong we are, intergenerational strength, like push that, and like, <laughs> I love that term. And and I love like, it. Too. Like, yeah, how how strong our people are, and how much we have to contribute. Yeah.
0: Mm, and really see us on an equal level like that's yeah what we're asking for like we're not asking to take over the whole country and take everyone's backyards like yeah. we just want equal representation in like parliament yeah. in the music scene in art scenes like we yeah. just want to be equal towards everyone else and like you know I I do I yeah. am hopeful because of people like you and me yeah. <laughs> doing what we do seriously yeah, and then- I, yeah I absolutely feel like you yeah. Oh, right. Off the backs <laughs> of our know, old people and whatnot. But um yeah. ANU, let's talk about that. What's yeah. it like studying at ANU? And how did you come to start studying there? For yeah. there might be potential, you know, when I was young, um, I actually wanted to be a lawyer, believe it or not. Um uh-huh. but that that actually changed. But um, you know, for all the young mob listening or people that, you know, might not um feel like they can do it, but they definitely yeah. can, you know, what yeah. was that like for you?
1: Yeah, I think um, I really relate to that feeling like constantly. I think in my head I'm like kind of imposter syndrome and like how did I get here? Um, But I basically chose ANU because I wanted to, um, so much as I love back home, I wanted to see somewhere new, like move to a new country, um, find my feet in my own world a bit. And ANU was a really good uni and I got in. And also they offered me... They offer Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students so much support, which I really don't think you can get um, from a lot of the other unis. Um, I know my opinion's biased, but just like we have Uncle Azmi and we have Aunty Ann here and we have uh, the Tabal system, which is just like, it's a really supportive cohort. You can like email them for anything you need, basically, no matter what it is. Like one girl was about to be kicked out of her house, they sorted it for her. Like um, they help you buy textbooks, just like anything they'll do everything that they can within their power to, you know, make sure you get through this road that is university because it can be really tough. Um, and especially when you don't feel like you don't belong or you've come from somewhere else and you're surrounded with a lot of different people. Um, it's a really new environment and hard to get through sometimes, but I found the support here has been so good. Um, and, Especially like, because you can get homesick. Like, you know, I'm sure you know how that feels. Like, but when you're not back home, you know, on country, you're not with your family. It can be really tough. But I found um, ANU's had a really like, I've had a lot of good friends here, because um, I think people really move to ANU because they want to be kind of future leaders or something. And it's they're really into, they're quite progressive. So I feel like I've had a lot of friends here that are ones that I've made, and they'll be friends for life but often because we're really like-minded and we share the same values and stuff like that. And I think there's a lot of people I can find with the same values here that has been good because we've created kind of a support system in the uni and with friends. Um, And then studying itself has been really good because, like, obviously there's always flaws, but ANU is quite research-focused and quite progressive. So when we've done, like... Um, research or if they're not focused on the values I want then I'm like feel f- very free to like raise to lecturers at least this isn't what I've had in my experience um, hey you should like I don't really like this angle you went for or hey you should include more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander authors stuff like that I know some people here and you've had bad experiences but me personally, I've, ha- I've had, like, I thought it's been a really good uni and really supportive. And anyone that's thinking of applying to uni, definitely get in touch with Uncle Asmi. He is incredible and he'll push you to go to ANU to no end. But it's a really good He was good trying
0: place. to push me when I was there. He
1: goes, <laughs> someone said, let's have like a
0: documentary watching night. And he goes, yep, at ANU when you go to uni there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I loved it. So I was like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, so yeah. how does that feel as, you know, a palable woman coming to um, ACT? Like how does it feel when you feel so welcomed by university? Like were you nervous and like how yeah. did you go after that?
1: Yeah, I felt super nervous and I didn't really get in touch with mob here until like uh, literally a year in just because I was like, I don't know my place here. Um, and then once I did it, I was like, what have I been, why did I miss out for a year? This is insane. Um, but it has been hard to be far away from home. Um, cause it is really expensive to go back. And so sometimes that stopped me, but I think, um, it's been really good to also in a different sense, move here, meet new people, like learn a new country and I've really loved it here. I've loved my time here. Can you see yourself staying in ACT? Um, I think I want to live by the coast. I'm like I'm a saltwater girl. I need to go by the coast a bit more. So I'm thinking about um, moving next year. Um, but like this is the bush capital. There's so much. Um, like it's got stuff going on, but there's like so much bush around, which has really made it good because I am not a big city pet girl. So <laughs> it's where are you that were
0: thinking of moving? Darwin, perhaps. Oh wow! My yeah. own swimming ground. No, Darwin is beautiful, yeah. but if you love swimming, I wouldn't go to Darwin because you—that's
1: what—that's what people say. They're like, you don't like the heat, and and you like swimming.
0: But- yeah, look, I I can't remember swimming once in the ocean because there's literally crocodiles and stingrays everywhere. I actually saw people surfing in that beach recently online. Oh my and God. Like, you in oh, really? go and just chill out because there are crocodiles in that beach. Like it's all just like the, yeah, like the young people that move there, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. oh and the
1: jellyfish, jellyfish. Yeah, awesome. but it is really beautiful. Yeah. It is beautiful. Like you would love yeah. it, but um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'd consider Melbourne, but it is a big city. But there's so much cool stuff going on there. Um, yeah, yeah. I love it here. What about Arnhem Land? Like, would you go up there? That would be cool. I just don't want to go because I want to start as like a lawyer in, you know, ALS or something. That's been my dream. And so I don't want to go anywhere that's too small that I don't get training because I don't want to have to represent mob not knowing enough and like letting them down. So I kind of need to go somewhere a bit bigger um, to get that training, I think. So I don't like um, stress myself out firstly, but also so I do people justice by getting the right training to help them out. Eventually one day I would love that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No. And it's really like, you can see why your whole focus is, I guess, helping mob and helping community and, um, you know, further preventing these injustices that happen um, so often. And like when we were in Mbantua, you know, learning about how um, a lot of the people in jail are there for fines.
1: Yeah.
0: And then, you know, like, it's just a cycle and someone presented something to me recently. So I'm from, um, I live in Frankston, which is like a, it's known as like the, the trouble part of Melbourne, I guess you could say. Yeah. And you know, there's kids that, um, you know, they might be stealing cars or taking drugs and they go to the court, but they get let off. And Hmm. someone made a point to me, like you look at those kids and then you go to the ones in Barnesville, they just get locked up straight away, you know, second thought sort of thing. So it's like, you really see how um, not equal even kids are at that age. So yeah. it's like setting them up to fail. Law um, yeah. was like what 10 I think it is. Yeah. Oh, so it's like that. It's so yeah. But um, speaking about some law education, so yeah. just to give just some three points um, that I kind of wanted to talk about. So can you just explain a bit about the Constitution? like yeah. what that is and Aboriginal people's place. Within that, okay. So,
1: oh god, you're really testing I my think memory here. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, the Constitution was written by basically a bunch of white guys. Um. That in when Australia became a federation, so 1901. And what's really interesting about our Constitution is that, like, you know, like in the US, you have they have the rights in um in the Constitution. Um. So they have. Like people say, oh, it's my right to have a gun or whatever. But in Australia, they specifically said, We're not, we're not having rights in our constitution. This is just a kind of document to manage how the colonies, which have become the states, um, how to manage them being a federation. So they basically left most of the powers to um the colonies because they were already independent and doing their own thing that federal government didn't want to be like oh we're overtaking everything because the states just wouldn't have that so it's basically just about distributing powers and not about rights which really impacts um i think kind of the way Australia's run because we don't have that some states have charters of rights or a bill of rights or something but we don't really have a federal one um you know we have stuff like the Racial Discrimination Act, which as we know can be suspended to suspended twice just but to harm Aboriginal people. Um so it's really interesting looking back sometimes like when studying law I'm like why are we following this document that's like hundred years old written by like a couple of white men that was really who dead. Like, yeah who are dead, like, dead. Like, it's insane um that we can't kind of, like jiggle it. But um so I think there's been, there was an amendment and we basically weren't included in that at all. We weren't until, as you know, like until 1967, we were were flora and fauna. Um, And so there's been a little bit of change in that, but there's still like a race power that um, can be used against us and doesn't need consultation with us when it's been used. Um, And besides that, I think (laughs) that's mostly all I can remember, but it does, we're not mentioning it at all. And I know people say, like, um, having an acknowledgement in the constitution is only symbolic. We need more and we definitely need more, but we definitely need a place in Australia's constitution. Like, we, the, the First Peoples aren't even in there. We're just ignored. And that really says a lot about what Australia has done has, and has done since. Like, it stands we're really yeah, yeah, what it stands like, for. We're not.
0: 2022 and we're still so we're not in there right i think that oh
1: god you're making me i'll have
0: to we'll check that so anyone we'll listening please inform us <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah no it's it's completely ridiculous and we're at a stage now where reconciliation week is coming up mm-hmm. um so you know we're doing a bit of bit more research to kind of try and educate people and ourselves because you know as aboriginal people we're also kind of expected to know everything but like, it's it's hard to know everything. Yeah. You have to be like senior people in our law, and then white man's law, and then this, and then there'll be some Aboriginal artists yeah, that someone's yeah. talking about. I'm like, I don't know them. Like, just because I'm Aboriginal doesn't mean yeah. I know every
1: single thing that's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. You actually said to me on the trip, and I think it will stay with me for us to. The- um, my life. You're like, it's okay not to know, like, to be Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and not to know things. Like, we don't have to know everything. And I think that's so true. I feel really guilty when someone's like, oh, you don't know these like, super cool, like, Aboriginal activists." I'm like, no, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but or, really Yeah, and it is, like, I think that's also so impressive when you see, like, our old people, they're fully they across fucking Native Title, which is one of the most confusing areas of law. They're across like criminal law. They're across like their own law. And I'm just like, this is so impressive how you are so well educating all these different parts. Like this is why they're fucking elders. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so when we're talking about, like you mentioned before, the 67 referendum, can you just explain a bit about what that actually is?
1: Yeah, so that um didn't like i think we didn't get the vote till the year after but it basically just said we could be counted as people in the census and stuff like that so it meant like we went from people not existing in this white australia to being counted and like i heard this really interesting thing the other day about um you know they often say like oh like remote communities don't have access to stuff because they're too remote they should move to the city blah, blah blah stuff like that which is ridiculous But I heard like because we weren't included in a census, we um, weren't counted for so long. And the census is where what they use to distribute like services and stuff. So if you're only counting the white people, you're only distributing the services to where the white people are. And so like it's just another reason of why like, you know, sometimes I'm on Facebook. Way bigger battles. It's because we haven't had that like, long standing recognition of where we are and those like, long standing implementations of the services we need, just like any mm-hmm. other person. Um, so that's really interesting. And so from that, we counted, we have the vote, you know, it was <laughs> a big Yay. win at the time. But yeah, <laughs> so like, much more needs to be done.
0: I know, like how many years ago? That's like 50. Yeah, my mum was 55? born. Like, yeah. Was that five years ago? that was only 55 years ago. Yeah, like yeah. what the hell yeah. people think it happened so long ago. And it's just like the one thing that I've kind of, I said to someone the other day, I was like, right, we can't stop the fact that colonization happened right here. Like we can't stop Captain Cook from coming. We can't stop the genocide that happened. The problem is it is still happening and people don't understand. Like, mm-hmm. you know, our, our old people suffered the brunt and the brutality of all of the horrible things that happened especially you know your people especially um but it's like for me, as a young person, I'm trying not to worry too much about that. I'm trying to think of this is still going on and people don't understand that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's still, the, like you said before, you feel like genocide is still happening and yeah. everyone just ignores it because, you know, it's
1: people aren't getting shot in the streets. But then they are because we've yeah, got like yeah. deaths in custody. Like, yeah, exactly. It, it, like, it blows my mind. And, you know, you have like, we're the most incarcerated mob in the world. And you tell me there's, like colonization isn't still happening. It's insane. Like yeah, the system isn't broken. It's just doing exactly what it's meant to do. And it's re- Yeah, it's really important we recognize that, you know, colonization is a process and it's the process is continuing and still we until we like decolonize it every step that it's interfered with. Yeah.
0: And how much did you learn? Oh, and I'm sure you learned a bit of this, you know, in your study, but how deep the problems actually are. Like, I came back from that trip learning so much more than I had before about how. You know, systemic and deep. They actually are. Like this problem is this because of this, and then this, and then this. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just one simple solution or answer. Yeah. What is actually going on? You know, and like the the substance abuse, alcohol. You know, domestic violence rates. Like they all have. They all lead down like from one pinpoint, but they're Mm -hmm. all. It's so deep, and you know, someone told me the other day, like, why can't you know, they just stop drinking or, you know, get a job. And I'm like, because they're being oppressed, like we're yeah. still colonising this country, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And it is really hard when you're like, oh, there's, I mean, I think that's why so many issues continues, because there's no easy fix for the government. They're like, oh, that's too complex, like, or uh, or we've tried stuff and it doesn't work because they've tried, like, terrible solutions. But um, it is really hard that it's so deep and it comes from, it's so multifaceted, like, from every um, area. But I think it is really um, interesting to see, you know, like, every community has got its own different issue, no matter, like, you're, like, in Redfern, no matter if you're in Bartow, you've got your own issues, but the community also knows those issues and, like, has the solutions because they're living in the issues, they know what the solutions are. And I think it c- comes tricky when you've got this, like, top-down government trying to, like, find solutions and, like, distribute them from Canberra, where it's, like, communities know the solutions, they need to be community-led solutions, and then that's how, like, So sometimes it can get really overwhelming to think about how deep the issues go, but then you think about how we already have the answers, and I think that's really empowering, and it's just about, like, getting those answers heard and funded, I guess.
0: Yeah, literally. Uh, That is a really good way you've been putting that because recently I've been having all these deep thoughts about, like, uh, all the, you know, all the depth to what is actually going on, and it's so overwhelming. Like, the other day I was like... I can't fix everything, but yeah. I just want to like fix everything and you know educate yeah. everyone. But you get burnt out. Like it's yeah, it's, it's so it's tiring nice. having
1: to have the same conversations over and over again yeah. and to justify or defend or yeah. you know. And it is like hard to carry um, like it is a heavy thing to carry to be like, I just want to help my people as much as possible. Mm. But it's like you, it can really lead to burnout because there's just so much. So I guess it's just like, yeah, you you've said this before, actually using your skill and like giving back what you can and what makes you get enjoyment out of it too. Cause like, yeah. you'll never be able to continue forever if you're like hating it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But it is, really really hot
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know um like with what you were saying before about the racial discrimination act can you just explain what that act act is what that act actually is and um an
1: instance where it was suspended yeah so the racial discrimination act is just a piece of legislation so it's federal legislation so it applies to everywhere in australia But because legislation's made by Parliament, it can be stopped or changed by Parliament. So that means, like, it can be, you know, suspended or they can just basically amend it however they want. Um, And one instance, like, I don't know the whole ins and outs of the Act, but it's basically to stop, you know, um, racism in Australia. Um, And they paused it. They paused the operation of the Act in relation to the Northern Territory Emergency Intervention, um, the NTER, um, and that was basically so they could carry out these actions, like these really invasive actions, and it didn't, the NTER never mentioned, like, is specifically aboriginal people or anything but the laws were targeted in such a way that it only affects aboriginal people and you still see the impacts now even though that was in 2007 um i just think you know so detrimental to mob up there and if you ever have this like racial discrimination act which like clearly isn't working in all the areas that should in the first place but if you ever have that and you're pausing it i think mean, Union force and be like, what am I doing wrong that I need to suspend an anti-racist act? Yeah. It's so.
0: really it seems really simple when you think about it and go like that act was and like made to protect people and now you're suspending it to allow racial discrimination to a certain bunch of people. Like it's so bizarre. Yeah. And to help them, quote unquote. So like yeah. One thing I was actually, yeah. Reading, yeah, I was actually reading a bit more about it today Um, just because I was super, you know, I'm trying to educate myself on all these things. And one yeah. thing that got me is expected Aboriginal people to lease property to the government in return for basic services. So one of these things was, I'm pretty sure, and I might get this wrong, guys, but little um Aboriginal communities were are kind of you know encouraged to lease out their property and land to government so they can get basic services like water and um, resources and whatnot which is just so wrong like it's just another way of giving these people their country or their homes or you know what they essentially own or like their living space and um it's just it's just awful and Another one was like subjected Aboriginal children to teaching in a language they don't speak for for the first four hours at school. Like that is so specific and targeted in a way that yeah. you know continues assimilation in in one way or another. Like it's just awful yeah. when you think about it. But um, you know the really positive yeah, like- thing. Yeah, go on. Sorry.
1: Oh no, I was just going to say it's invasive at every level and did so much damage. I think we saw that on our trip. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah.
0: I forgot to tell you also, I I forgot to tell everyone, um, my pop, John, he has a book, so he doesn't have a book, but he has, so it's a, it's a book called dear sons and it's, um, first nation stories from first nations fathers, first nations. No, yeah, stories from fathers to sons or like um, fathers to grandfathers to sons sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was released like six or seven months ago. And it's got, I think, 10 stories in it or 10 letters similar to that number um, from First Nations fathers. And Pop John wrote um, like three or four pages, I think, in it. Oh, that's so cool. Honestly, I read it for the first time um, just the other week. Mm -hmm. And it talks about the intervention. It talks about... um, you know a bit about my family's history and um how we're doing now and stuff like that but i thought you guys if you get the chance you should read it or i'll send you like the photos of the um i you the photos of it because it's like it's really
1: life-changing and you know how he speaks it's an amazing amazing man and um i listened to your podcast with um Uncle Johnny and um Anna Your Nana Lorraine, yeah. yeah. And it was just like so nice to hear their voices again.
0: How, <laughs> so see, really that's cool. what
1: I mean. Like you guys came
0: to their property and they just opened everyone with yeah. us and just wanted yeah. to teach. And I don't yeah. think anyone that wasn't there will understand how um moving that actually was. Like it's it's weird to think yeah. about like how something. Yeah you know, like that can be so transformative, as we were saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it was really, really amazing. And that's just like what what we need more of, more sitting down and just like have non-Aboriginal people just listening to our more, like hear what's going on in our perspective, Yeah.
0: How was it for you as a Palawa woman to come to Mbantua and, you know, meet these people as an Aboriginal person? What what effect did that have on you on, um, you know, a connection or a feeling? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it was really powerful to meet people from a completely different country and, you know, completely different like laws and everything. And, but it was also very um, as powerful and amazing as it was to meet like so many people like even yourself like with so much like you know cultural strength and knowledge that it really it, at some points it really made me sad that like you know I just remember your your pop john taking us like on that um trip and to running running waters and he was just like pointing out the hills he knew and he knew all the stories he knew the origins he his like your family's been there for so, so long. And, you know, like the back of your hand. And I think that was really hard for me because I'm like, oh yeah, I've grown up in my country. I know it's special. I know it's like, so like, I know it's sacred, but I don't know its stories. Some of that's been lost, at least for me. Um, And so I think it was really hard to, to just kind of like, see how much I don't know. Um, When you're, looking at these people that I'm like wow they are so empowered in their law and their knowledge um so that was also really jarring for me um but it was really amazing to be able to go through that with a couple other um you know Aboriginal people that were from um different areas like kind of areas that were colonized earlier as well and they had like similar feelings of like oh am I Aboriginal enough if I don't know all this stuff? And I think that really comes, like, it's a horrible thought and really comes from, like, a colonial place um, that you've been, like, taught of what Aboriginal looks like and means. But it really um, was comforting to have people to talk about that with and be like, no Aboriginal experience is the same. And, um, like, it's amazing to meet people like this and just kind of like celebrate that we've all had different experiences, all from different countries. And no matter what, like there's strength there and there's culture there and there's mm-hmm. um, whether or not stories there that um, it was really amazing. I So I struggled with sometimes like a little mini identity crisis of myself, but I think absolutely talking to people there has made me come out a stronger Aboriginal woman and stronger in my identity um, just with, you know, with you and like, Tanya, just the support you gave to those kind of concerns and just like, you know, meeting other mob and being like, Hey, we're like, yeah, all our stories are different. Where does people, yeah, people have different stories, but mm-hmm. you're still mob and you're like still welcomed with open arms. And I think that was really, really powerful and really has made me stronger. And I think I'll think back to that a lot when I have future identity crisis or something.
0: Oh girl, I have identity crisis all the time, honestly. And like, I think Lydia might've said some, I can't remember. Someone said something to me about, you know, like having this family that's really strong and whatnot, but you know, I always go back and have identity crisis. I like went back the other week and bawled my eyes out because I'm like, how can like, how can this all go? Like, I don't understand it. And like, sometimes I'll go back home and be like, I don't know anything. Like I'm just this mild woman from the city now. And like, it's so awful to have to think like that. But as you said, it's a colonial way of thinking. And like, you know, some days you'll feel really strong in your culture and then some days you won't. And I honestly believe that is because they took away our language. Like language is the key to our traditional ways, because a lot of our stories can't translate into English because they're not English or like they don't mean the same things. You know what I mean? And like, it's so awful to think that we've lost that, but you know what we're doing, me and you and all the young people is finding our feet as You know, what Aboriginal people, what Aboriginal looks like these days, you know, not looks like in terms of um, uh, a visual, but it's a feeling. Like, and you know, urban Aboriginal people, it's going to be different to people living in the desert still speaking their language. And you might have some benefits in the city, and then you might have some benefits in the desert, you know, you like. You can't yeah.
1: have both, which is so annoying. Like, I wish yeah. I could just teleport. I know. Yeah, I totally get that. Where you're like, oh, I need to be calm. But then you're like, but there's like benefits living here. And I'm learning so much. So, yeah, really? it is super tricky. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm
0: so glad that I had that, um, my family and we all had that experience. Yeah. That experience, Or, you know, shared that with you. I'm going to use the word shared. Because yeah. I felt those things too. And I always feel those things. But um, I, you have to go at 11, don't you? Yeah, little,
1: but no. Oh, no, no rush, no rush. Okay, cool.
0: Um, but yeah, no.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah, it is really hard. But I still like whenever you end that, you just feel like you can add as much milk to the tea as possible. It's still a tea. I love
0: that <laughs> I love because that. this girl love is not black. I'm like, I, I'm. It's winter now. I'm gonna be very pale, but you know, I'll claim yeah. it. Um yeah,
1: absolutely you gotta.
0: <laughs> I miss I actually miss being back on country. I go and then I come back and I'm like I miss it and then I'm like yeah. it's a constant feeling of walking in two worlds,
1: isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And with the language thing, like it's really a really cool thing that's happened back home is um that like there used to be multiple languages in Literita, but they've um they're all lost. Um, but not all parts of all of them were lost. So they're rebuilding the language as Palawakani, um, which means Tasmanian Aboriginal speak. And it's really like someone said to me the other day, they're like, Oh, why bother though? Um, if it's if the language is already dead. And I was like, I really like, oh you don't understand the power of language and reclaiming that back and speaking for the people that couldn't, and speaking in a way that binds people together because you, the other person also knows it and just like it's such a powerful thing Language is so powerful and I really didn't um like always know that when I was younger but now I'm, I'm so proud of what the work they're doing back there and you know really pushing it in the mainstream as well it's like there's quite a few places in Tassie that are duly named now um like mountain stuff yeah yeah mountain okay. or like yeah. national, national par- uh or state park national parks um stuff like that where i'm like that's so important um just to tell the story of those places as well like mm-hmm. god yeah i totally agree with you language really is um a lot and really empowering to learn and if you don't know it or like like myself like that's totally fine and you Learn. You, there's always room to learn.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I went back on country recently and did some work um, for the DOCO with Pradam, the Pradam school. And I don't really know any Pradam. I know mostly Luricha, um and Aranda. So that was really, it was really daunting going back and doing some work with them because I was like, I'm sitting here with all these kids who were like, you know, 10 and they were learning. And I was sitting there with them and I was like, I feel so oh, shame. Yeah, I'm
1: like, that. I know, but it's like, you shouldn't feel shame, you know. Yeah. Because- You shouldn't feel shame. You'd be like, it's not like, no, it's not your fault. You don't know it. And so
0: we hold so much shame in our culture because, you know, we know things and we don't, and then we're shamed by, you know, white fellas, but then, you know, some of our mob can shame each
1: other too. Absolutely. And that's the worst part about it. It's like, guys, we can't get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I just think, I just think that's another, you know, one of the, facets of the very multifaceted colonisation process where it's, you know, I think it really is a conquer and divide method. And so to conquer our own um, mob together is really powerful. And, yeah, there's always going to be people with different opinions, you know, where like different peoples. So that's fine. Um, but, like, I, it's really sad when you see the divide that's like it divides like people from each other, not just like different opinions and stuff. Um, And I think that really comes from colonisation. So it's like I think it's really important we, you know, band together. We've got
0: other. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Lily Ireland. I'm gonna say. Um, <laughs> I like <Townsend>.
1: I'm
0: playing like <laughs> like ego. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today, and I miss you so much, and I'm so thank happy you. to see you again. Oh, it's actually been so nice. I was nervous, but it's just Are you even well nervous? Yeah, really I was. Fun. I um no, don't be nervous. Never. I'm so glad that we can actually come up, um, catch up. But I'll definitely have to jump on a plane some stage and come to. ACT and catch up with me. That that would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I want to hear everything about what you've been doing. It looks sick. Yes, I've got one question actually. Yeah. What is something you wish you could tell your younger self?
1: Um, I think sometimes I still say it now to myself like in the mornings just be strong like be strong in who you are if you think someone if you think something say it like be strong in like your opinion be strong in your identity be strong in the way you carry yourself um be strong in like your pride of what you do like just just be strong i think i'm have a long time and still battling insecurities but i've been an insecure person but and sometimes i haven't spoken up in, areas or like in conversations that have really um made me feel uncomfortable and I just like you know I think about that for like years after I'm like why didn't I combat that person what they said it was so wrong. And so it's just like these I think to my younger self I'd say be strong in every way. That's beautiful and I'll be taking that on for
0: today. Yeah. In my life Lily <laughs> Thanks everyone for joining us on Mob Talk this week. If you like this podcast please share it with your friends and don't forget to chuck us a follow on Instagram. And we'll see you all for another yarn soon.